I wonder what you think about this idea of Lent. I don't know if you have practiced any, if you've observed the practice of Lent before, if maybe you think it's a little bit Anglican, a little bit traditional, a little bit maybe superstitious. Um, but I think Lent is, is a really good thing to do. Christians throughout the world believe that um, God came to live on earth as a man, Jesus Christ, um, and he died on a cross and he, w- he was raised from the dead. And these 40 days that lead up to the, the period of Easter when we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus have typically in the church calendar been used um, to withdraw from things, to fast from certain luxuries. And although admittedly today um, Lent has become just another diet in which you give up chocolate in order to lose a couple of pounds, um, I don't think that gets to the heart of what Lent is about. Lent is about uh, this idea that, that Miriam and Gareth have already talked to us about, this prayer of John the Baptist, which says, he must become greater, I must become less. And whatever you think about Lent, I think that's a brilliant prayer to pray. And it's a prayer that all of us, I think, um, need to pray. We need to pray that God would become greater in our lives. That we would pull back from the things that distract us from Jesus and we would focus more fully on him. And that's the idea of Lent. The idea is that you pull back from certain things which take your attention. Things that take your attention away from Jesus and you say, I'm going to focus on Jesus so that he may become more an aspect of my life. And at G2, um, on Sunday, we're specifically going to be looking at the death of Jesus for the next five weeks. We're going to ask this question, what does the death of Jesus mean to us today? Why is this event, which took place in history, so monumental? And how can we use this together as a community to focus and pray that he must become greater and I must become less? So we're going to do this quite simply by just looking at five different aspects of theology, which try and explain the significance of the death of Jesus. And when I say theology, um, I'm not going to get up here and lecture you um, about theories of the atonement as much as I would really and genuinely actually like to do that. Um, that's, not what I'm, that's not what we're going to do over these next five weeks. The idea of theology is that we come to know God better. And that's what we're going to do together. We're going to attempt, by looking at the cross, to understand more of God so that we can pray this prayer together. And I would invite you um, in your life to pray this prayer as you go along. Over these next five weeks, I would invite you to be praying this prayer regularly, that he must become greater and I must become less. And a really simple way of doing that is to withdraw from something. So me and Ellie, uh, my wife, um, we're, gonna, we, we're gonna stop watching telly for the next five weeks. Um, and the idea of that is not just because um, it's just something fun to do, um, so that we play more board games or something like that, the, the, the point of it is that we focus more on Jesus. So instead of getting up and eating breakfast in front of BBC Breakfast, um, I'm going to eat my breakfast with my Bible. And I'm going to focus on these passages that we're looking at at G2, which speak to us about um, the death of Jesus, which bring in different aspects of Jesus' death. And I'm going to pray through um, those passages, and I'm going to ask God to reveal himself more so that he may become greater. So I'd like to ask you all, what, is there something that you could do in order to focus more on Jesus over these next five weeks? Because on a Sunday we're going to be doing this together, 
Um, but as a community, we're not just about meeting on a Sunday. We, we expand further than these four walls. So how are you going to take this principle, this prayer, and how are you going to apply it to your life? Is there something that, um, that you could draw back on, draw back from in these next five weeks? Uh, maybe as a family, or you might want to do something as a cell group, or just as an individual. Um, I'm going to give you four minutes now on your tables, um, and I want you to discuss this question. What could you um, give up, or what could you draw back from over these next, um, these next few weeks to focus more on Jesus? Your time starts now. Jesus in that passage, um, that I'll, I'll tell you right now that I won't do it justice, how profound that piece is. So can I invite you to, to really get into that passage, really uncover the truths that are in that over this next week. But today we're going to be talking about the death of Jesus as the revelation of God. So the concept of revelation is quite a simple idea, and it's this. 
that through the death and the life of Jesus Christ, God is somehow revealed. We know God better because of Jesus. So you might ask me the question, how do I know my wife? How do I know anything about my wife? Um, How do I know anything about the strange looking man in the corner of the room with a dog collar on? Although it's not really a dog collar. He made it before the service with a piece of paper. (laughs) Busted. (laughs) How do we know anything about anybody in this room? Um, Without getting into the philosophical pitfalls of that question, um, I think there's quite a straightforward answer that we can give to that question. We learn things about people by having experiences of them, by looking at their behaviour, by listening to what they say, by listening to how they say it. So for instance, here's an example. Um, I know that my wife, Ellie, um, really likes chocolate biscuits. Um, That's her and that's some chocolate biscuits, just in case you didn't know what either of them looked like. And the reason I know that my wife likes chocolate biscuits is because when I buy chocolate biscuits, she eats them. Um, I can, we can buy a packet of chocolate biscuits and they can be eaten within a day. Not quite. But anyway, quite trivially, that is a revelation of my wife. Um, her desires and her attitudes are made known through her behaviour. So how do we know what God is like? Well, in, in the letter to the Colossians, it says, uh, Paul says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Without delving too much into um, the idea of the Trinity and all the theology behind that, we can know that through a tangible human being, through someone who said stuff, who did stuff, um, who lived on this earth, someone who died a human death, we can know through that one man's actions things about God. Jesus himself tells us, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So what do we learn about the character of God through Jesus. But I'm just going to talk about three things this afternoon. Um, By no means all the things that we learn about God through Jesus, but just three things that I want to focus on this afternoon. So firstly, Jesus is the revelation of the faithful God of Israel. So this passage you just heard, um, John chapter 1, Um, comes at the start of a biography of the the Jewish rabbi Jesus who walked on the earth more than 2,000 years ago. He walked around preaching, teaching, gathering followers, and eventually he was murdered. And John, the writer of this biography, starts his account with possibly three of the most controversial words he could have started it with. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, if you're a Jew, you can't read that passage without hearing the first three words of the Jewish Torah, or the the book that we know as the Old Testament. In the beginning, God created. That's the first line of Genesis. So here, John presents us with a creation story. This is the beginning of something new. But somehow it's inextricably linked to this old story, this history of the Jewish people. John's, first, John's claim in those first three words is that this man, Jesus, this teacher, Jesus, not only represents the Jewish God of the creation story, but he is 
the God of the creation story. He was there at the beginning. And so the Old Testament is full of God's revelation. God shows himself to different human beings through different means. He gives them commandments. Um, It says he meets with Moses face to face. Um, And he makes lots of promises to his people. And so through these stories in the Old Testament, we catch little glimpses of God's revelation. We catch little glimpses of God's character. And then we see the story of the Jewish people getting glimpses of God's character and then going their own way, doing something different, rebelling from God. But ultimately, the Jews had access to God only in part. His presence was passed down through stories, um, through faithful leaders. And ultimately, the revelation of God depended on hearsay. But all Jewish people believed that God would bring a significant person, a Messiah, a Saviour, someone that would bring all of his promises to fulfilment. His promise that he would make um, the Jewish people that was called Israel, he would make Israel into a great nation. He would bless all of the world through Israel. He would offer salvation to the world through Israel. And through Jesus, the promises of God come to fulfilment. So John starts off um, pretty controversially by claiming that this man, this human being, Jesus, is the revelation of the God of creation. The God that created the entire universe has come to dwell in a man, has come to fulfil the promises that he made to his people. And I think that's pretty incredible. It's pretty difficult to get your head around, but when you think about it, it's incredible that God who created the universe, walked on the same earth that we walk on. Okay, so we've, we've got through the first three words. So at this rate, uh, we should be getting home about nine o'clock, I reckon. So let's, let's move on a little bit in the same sentence. So secondly, Jesus is the revelation of the God of truth. So if we move on from the first half of the sentence to the second half, we see, we find this word, in the beginning was the word, word. So in the original Greek, the word used was um, logos. And the translation um, that we have as word doesn't really capture the full extent of what this word means. So the Greeks believed that the universe had um, a rational and moral order to it. And this order of nature they called the Logos. And for Greeks, the, the meaning of life, the purpose of life was to figure out the Logos. And they did that by doing philosophy, by thinking. So for the Greeks, the meaning of life was an intellectual pursuit. Socrates famously claimed that the unexamined life is not worth living. Heraclitus says that the Logos holds always, but humans always prove unable to understand it. So for the Greeks, this idea of logos was this, were the principles that governed the entire universe. But they're something that we could only strive towards, and only the most intelligent men just made small amounts, um, small amounts of advancement towards. And here John begins his account of the story of Jesus with this, this really philosophical term that you, if you were a Greek, you wouldn't have been able to not notice. Jesus, um, John says, in the beginning was the Logos. And the, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. So here, John claims that uh, this logos, this meaning or principle of life, isn't something that we can figure out by studying, by doing intellectual pursuit. The meaning, the truth behind everything is made known in a person, in a human being, someone that walked on the earth. The Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. To the philosophers of the time, this must have seemed preposterous. It just must have seemed stupid. But if this claim is true, if the the Logos and the meaning of life is to be found in the person of Jesus, then we can't discover it by doing any sort of philosophical or intellectual pursuit, but only through encountering and understanding a person. Jesus is God made known. He is the meaning and purpose behind everything. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Jesus doesn't say, I am true, or it is true that I exist. Jesus says, I am the truth. The truth is a person. And Christians believe that God makes his dwelling among us today. So whilst Jesus walked around the earth and met with people and encountered people in his 30 years on earth, we believe that his spirit um, was sent to dwell among us today. So coming to know Jesus, coming to know God, and coming to know truth isn't to be found just in thinking, in intellectual pursuit. But it's through an encounter with the Spirit of Jesus that we come to know God. And again, that's a pretty incredible statement. So secondly, God reveals himself as a person. The Logos becomes flesh. And and thirdly and finally, I just want to focus on Uh, This last point, Jesus is the revelation of a God of love. John tells us that the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. If we want to understand the heart of God, if we want to understand the purposes and the desires of God, the first place that we look is to the cross. The cross, the death of Jesus, reveals a character of a God who loved his creation so much that not only was he willing to, to become a human being and walk amongst us, but he was willing to die the humiliating death of a human being so that he could be, known, be made known more fully. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. The death of Jesus reveals to us a God who loves his creation. He loves you. I know that sounds a little bit soppy. Maybe you don't think it sounds soppy. But do you know that truth that God loves you? There couldn't be a more tangible statement of the love of God than coming into the world and dying as a human being. And I think all too often, as human beings, we look for feelings to confirm the love of God. We look for some sort of experience to tell us that we're loved and cherished and desired by God. But in the death of Jesus, we have the perfect revelation of love. And as we will see over these next four weeks, as we focus more on the cross, as we focus more on the death of Jesus, it is 
the love of God that rescues us from sin. It is the love of God that redeems us from slavery. It is the love of God that conquers over evil. It is the love of God that gives us the perfect example of how we should live. So firstly, Jesus is the revelation of the faithful God of Israel. Jesus is the personal God of truth. And finally, Jesus is the revelation of the God of love. So how are we going to respond to this? How are we going to use this to think through that prayer? He must become greater, I must become less. I suggest that, as, as, I, as I said at the beginning, that we go away and we, we take in this passage. Um, we learn from this passage and we absorb these profound truths about the revelation of God. And I invite you to go away and do that. But there's another thing that I just want to raise, which is that in this passage, John says that we are invited to become children of God. So how seriously do you take that invitation? Maybe um, you feel like a child of God. Maybe um, you accept that Jesus is the revelation of God. But maybe this revelation doesn't seem very present to you. Maybe you, you walk through life and you don't feel like... God is revealed to you. So what I suggest is that we pray this afternoon that God would reveal himself more fully to you. We pray that through um, pulling back and focusing on Jesus, that he might reveal himself to you as the God of truth and the God of love. Uh, but what about if you've never um, taking this, uh, this invitation seriously, this invitation to become a child of God, what if it's something you've never really thought about? Um, what if you don't really know what it means to say that I want to become less and God wants to become greater? Well, again, um, the answer is simple. We pray and we ask God to reveal himself more fully through Jesus. And if um, you don't know how to do that or if you want someone to pray with you, um, I'll be more than happy to pray with you, and I'm sure Miriam and Gareth and others will be more than happy to pray with you, and um, that prayer, that he must become greater and I must become less. So to finish this afternoon, what we're going to do is just refocus on that passage. Um, what I'm going to do in a minute is ask the band to come up, and, we'll, and Miriam's going to read that passage again. And I would ask you just to think through um, the words in that passage. Um, absorb them. Experience them. Don't study them. Let Jesus meet you in the words um, that are written in that passage because they are profound and they're, they're very moving. So that's the first thing that we're going to do. We're just going to take time and we're going to stop and we're going to ask God to reveal himself to us. And then the second thing we're going to do is um, we're going to share communion together. And now communion is an ancient practice that's been practiced throughout the history of Christianity. Um, and quite simply, um, communion is, um, is to pray that prayer that God would be more revealed through Jesus. Communion is um, a revelation of Jesus to his church. And so if, if you want to pray that prayer, um, that God must become greater in your life, if, if you feel like you want to discover more of Jesus, um, I'd invite you, after we've um, read through this passage, 
um, to come up um, and receive communion as we share it together. Um, so I'll ask Christian to come and do that after we've just heard this passage. But shall I just pray for us? So Father God, I thank you for the amazing truth that you are revealed in Jesus Christ. I thank you that uh, you humbled yourself to come to this earth, and that you loved us so much that you revealed yourself as a man and you died for us. And I pray, Lord, that over these next few weeks that we may become more focused on you, that we may see more of your revelation in our lives. And we pray together as a community, as G2, that you become greater in our lives and that we become less. In your name, amen.